We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You want to do some rapid fire? Yes. Love it. <laughs> Love it. We're going to roll right in. We're going to keep this conversation going in rapid fire. So we've been talking about the wide receivers. I got a double oh. fill in the blank for you always doing to this start today. us off on rapid fire tonight. And, uh, you know, you notice my hands are back a little bit. I got called out Thursday for using my hands too much when I talk. So I'm trying to keep them back. I do it all the like time. Me. Not be up in your face, you know, with <laughs> with like my diamond. Throw me the ball. I've got soft hands, coach. So right here, right here. Uh, double fill in the blank. Notre Dame's two most productive wide receivers this right. season will be blank yep. and blank. So it's not who is going to be the most dynamic pass catcher because then you'd have to put Correct. Michael Mayer into one of Michael those. Michael Mayer spots. is not in this conversation. Chris Tyree, not in this conversation. Wrong position. We're talking right. specifically – the wide receiver position here. So, yeah, so Michael Mayer may still end up leading Notre Dame in receptions and yards and all that stuff, right. but we're just talking about who are Notre Dame's two most productive wide receivers going to be this season. See, this is tough, man. And, and I think that I'm, I'm going to go hmm, – I could make a case for just about anybody on the roster right now because of the way the roster looks as, you know, at wide receiver and, and who's there. I don't – I'm going to do process elimination here. So, Braden Lindsay, I don't think he's going to be the most productive, but I think he's going to be a very important piece, okay? So, we're talking catches and yards here, all right? Yep. I'm going to go – I'm going to go with Jaden Thomas and Tobias Merriweather. Ooh. <laughs> Man. Vince is out on a limb here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, look, you can't not say Lorenzo Styles, but those are other, you serious? Uh, I was going to say, I was I, just about to ask you, are you yeah, serious here? Look, are you Styles serious? is going to be number one. There's no doubt about it. But I think it's going to be a battle for number two. And I, and I, I'm wondering how much Tobias Merriweather is actually going to get on the field and at, at crunch time and things like that. They may wait a few games before he becomes that guy. And so that's going to prevent him from a production standpoint. Okay. I would have said Avery Davis here as my second one, but I, I am going to go with Jaden Thomas. I, I was really impressed okay. with what he did. So it's going to be Styles and Thomas. That those are going to be my two. Okay. We've got a lot of a lot of people. Uh so so hold it. You're saying Styles and Thomas. Yes. Because okay. I don't think Merriweather, I don't think they're going to put him in a position right at the beginning to be a high volume guy. I think he may yeah. end up that way. 
And if this is next year, he's on the list. You know what I'm saying? I just think yeah. they're going to bring him along a little slower. Well, you know, we'll be doing our uh, our game day rapid fires this year. And I've got a feeling that every week, you know, we might have over under number of catches for Tobias Merriweather. And it's probably going to grow as the season goes. I, I don't yeah, see Well, we would hope. That. Yeah. We would hope. Yeah. The list starts with Lorenzo Styles for yeah, me. And now, again, you know, like, I know this seems like a slam dunk to a lot of people, I guess, wrong sport, but, you know, 24 catches, 344 yards. And again, yeah. the bulk of that came in one game, but it was a breakout game. And I asked him about that today, you know, like, did it change your offseason focus and all that kind of stuff? And he didn't want to talk about himself, I guess, to his credit. He, he was talking more about, you know, team stuff and we're here to win national championships and all that kind of stuff. So I, I like the mentality that he has. I've talked about this before over the last week. I love the explosiveness that Lorenzo Styles has. Like to me, that is like when you watch these receivers get off the line and and make their cuts and do some of that stuff. That's what stands out to me the most about Lorenzo Styles. I love that explosiveness. It's going to go a long way. You need that playmaking ability. So the list starts with the Lorenzo Styles to me, even though again, it's like there's part of me that's like, you know, I grew up too close to Missouri. You know, I'm in Kansas, but Missouri, you know, is known as the show me state. And, you know, I've got like too much of that show me in me. You know, it's yeah. like you got to show me first sometimes. But, you know, he showed us in that one game at least what he can do. And so I think given the chance to be the man now, I think it can be him. My question is, you know, who's that guy right behind him going to be? And, you know, like Thomas is a good candidate, you know, like, especially as high on Tobias Mer Merriweather as you have been and just getting yeah. to see Merriweather, you know, like maybe over the second half of the season, like where I'm actually going to have a question later this week, we're going to try to predict, you know, like what Merriweather's numbers are going to look like. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Lindsay in the number two spot. He had a solid year last year as it was 32 catches, 350 yards. And I think with a legitimate position coach working with him day-to-day -day now. And again, his ability to get vertical and Tyler Buckner's ability to get the ball vertical, mm -hmm. I think we're going to see, you know, we're probably going to have to do an over-under on, you know, big splash plays we're going to see from Braden Lindsay this yes. season. So I, I, th yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. You know, he might not have volume receptions, but I think we're going to see a lot more downfield from him. They didn't try, you know, he, when the ball went his way last year, it was more short stuff. And, you know, that's that's obviously not his game. He needs to be getting downfield more. And yes. I think we're going to have a chance to see that in the, this offense this year. Yeah, and we're going to see Lindsey do all kinds of different stuff. I mean, he, he's going to get the the end of rounds and he's going to, you know, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to touch the football. I just don't think he's going to be the most productive because I don't think he's built that way. I still think he's going to have a big year because people are saying that, you know, he should be on this list of the two guys. If he does, if he is one of those guys, then Notre Dame just had a really, really good season. I, I will yeah. say that. And I just don't know. He Could he be third or fourth? Yes. Could he be first in touchdowns? That's possible, you know, because I think he's a big play machine. And I think people are going to have to focus on, you know, Michael Mayer, Lorenzo Style. There's, there's going to be weapons that – defenses are going to have to focus on and they're See, gonna, that's the thing they're going to be able to attack different levels yes. of these defense you know especially when you've got a guy like michael mayer who has to be paid attention to so i yes. think that that is going to pay off you know and again like when you look at at tommy reese and his chess game that he's oh. playing out there well, you know I, I think that that's going to be 
we're just going to see a different level yes. to this offense and this year. And, and you know, like think about the Fiesta Bowl with an offensive line, a dynamic quarterback, and a running game. Right. Think about that. Exactly. And so, if you're a defensive coordinator, let's just let's play the hypothetical, right? You're a defensive coordinator. Lorenzo Styles is the number one receiver, right? Does he start in the slot? Maybe. Can you move him around? Absolutely. So, are you going to bracket him? Are you? What are you going to do with the speedster in in uh, Braden Lindsey, who could run by any corner in the country if given the opportunity? Are you going to one on one him? Right. Right. What are you going to do in the boundary where you've got maybe Tobias Merriweather, who's just a freaky athlete with a huge catch radius? What are you going to do with him? You got Michael Mayer, the best tight end in the country. You're going to keep a safety over the top of him, and then the piece de resistance of the whole thing is Tyler Buckner. Do you focus on his legs or do you let him try to beat you over the top? Right. I mean, there are so many things that you've got to pay attention to if yep. you're a defensive coordinator playing Notre Dame. And I don't, I think people are absolutely underestimating how many weapons are on this offensive on this offense. I like the fact that really the last couple of years, you know, like since we saw the breakout from Braden Lindsay, there's been so much kind of expected of him going into these last couple of seasons. And unfortunately, you know, it, it hasn't quite come to fruition. I like the fact that even with this depleted room, he still kind of flies under the radar a yeah. little bit now at this point. I think that's going to be good for him. I think that's going to be good for Notre Dame as well. Absolutely. I, I'm excited to watch this offense. I really am. I mean, Tommy Reese has to be just sitting back and just, okay, you're going to take away Michael Mayer? Well, we're going to go here. You know, There's so many different things that he can do. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Vince, here we go. We're going to get a little bit deeper now, okay? Who is most to blame for the current state of Notre Dame's wide receivers room? Do you put it on former receiver coach Del Alexander, former head coach Brian Kelly, or do you put it on offensive coordinator Tommy Reese? 
who do you whose shoulders most of the blame for the state this receiver room is in right now between numbers and you know just everything else well i i think the the bulk of the blame has to go to dell alexander because they were able to recruit some pretty good receivers into notre dame they enrolled they signed on the dotted line and then they left and they left because they weren't being coached up and they left because the young guys just weren't getting the attention that they needed now you can always use the argument that you know since he is a employee of brian kelly that the buck stops with the head coach i get that i put brian kelly underneath dell alexander in this for sure but <laughs> that's great thank you salty uh i i think that it's dell and then it's brian kelly and then way below is is tommy reese for me and i and again i don't know all the inside info and all of that but right dell was not a good position coach okay and he was running guys out the head coach should be able to see that and should have replaced him a long time ago and didn't and so I realized that's probably, oh, see, I think that I might've hit something here, <laughs> but I, I, I still blame Dell the most because he never adapted. He never changed. He just kept running guys out. And then, so Brian Kelly's underneath them. And I get that because like, if you want to look at who's, you know, directly in charge of these guys, who's, you know, who's the one who's supposed to have the attention to detail, like we're talking about with Chancey stuck, right. you know, like who's, who's the one responsible for, you know, like. Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin and, you know, all these guys taking four years, you know, to fully develop, you know, why did it take until their last year to fully develop, you know, as, as college wide receivers, you know, now, now obviously he wasn't there for all of their careers, but I have to flip it around. I, I have to put Brian Kelly at okay. the top because Dell Alexander made it for five years yes, at Notre did. Dame. Yes, and he did. What if Brian Kelly had not gone to LSU? Would Dell Alexander be here for year six right now? I think there's a pretty strong case that he would have, you know, because I, I know we've talked about this before. I know you and Brian have talked about it before. It's I, I know it can be tough as the coach because, you you know, you have relationships with these guys. You don't want to fire your friends and all this stuff. But at the, right. at the end of the day, you're the head coach. Are, are the guys who are working for you making your program better or not an offensive line and wide receiver were just so badly neglected yeah. uh, with with who their position coaches were the last few years changes needed to be made Dell Alexander never should have gotten to year five and again there's a chance he would have been here for year six so yeah you're right like oh. he's responsible for you know a, a good chunk of recruiting it and like I saw you know some the reason I included Tommy Reese is you know because Reese you know, is involved in in recruiting as the offensive coordinator and, and, you know, all that stuff as well. But I just, I have to put Brian Kelly at the top of the list because a change should have been made after year four. You know, again, like maybe some recruiting wins late, you know, help Dell Alexander, but then obviously you can't keep Jordan Johnson around it. You know, like, you, you know, you saw some of that stuff going on and, Again, like with 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 the underperformance in many cases of what this group was doing, you know, yeah, day to day operationally it falls on Dell Alexander, but his boss is Brian Kelly, right? And You're Brian right. Kelly, as a guy, you know, who who wants to pat himself on the back for you know all that he knows and all that he's done, three decades 
as a coach, you've got to recognize that sooner and you've got to make a, a change. You know, you're in charge of the program. You're the proprietor. I get it. Oh, I totally get where you're coming from. And frankly, and you, you said it, he hung on to two coaches longer than he should have. And they almost, the new regime almost hung on to the wide receiver coach. You know, I mean, he, he only got can, I can, that's mean. He only got let go, you know, after the performance in the Fiesta Bowl. You know, I mean, yeah. the offensive line coach, had that change had already been made before the Fiesta Bowl. And I was really nervous there for a minute that they were not going to make a change at wide receiver coach. And I was starting to question the decision-making of the new regime. I was, yeah. and I got a phone call in the parking lot of uh, <laughs> whatever they call that stadium down there in Arizona. It's like, they're making a change. Awesome. Good move. <laughs> Good move. Irish Shytown says, I like Dell as a person, just not as a coach. There are Absolutely. a lot of coaches. I can say that. About you know guys who have I, I've had personal relationship. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah there, there are a lot of guys like that. But at the bottom, you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this is a business. Yes. You know, it is a, especially for the coaches. And are you doing your job or not? You know, right. Jeff. Yeah, like everything that I heard about Jeff Quinn. You know, great guy. Del Alexander never had yep. a problem. You know, yep. but but at the end of the day, you've got to coach these guys better. You know, yes. they were they were not technically sound, not not nearly as technically sound as they needed to be. That we, falls on the, the guys coaching them. Everybody knows somebody that's a great guy that sucks at their job. Yeah. I mean, it, you can be both. You can be a great guy and you can suck at your job. You know, I, I've seen it a million times. And that was the same situation with the coaches. Great guys, but they sucked as coaches. It just is what it is. I mean. You know, and Antoine says, uh, you know, Claypool learned more from the Steelers in one. And I believe it was in rookie mini camp that yeah. he learned about that. OK, yeah. Rookie mini camp. He came back. He's like, man, I learned a ton. I'm like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> like how? Red flag. I mean, you expect an NFL coach, obviously, to have a high level of expertise. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it just shows you how much ability. The yes. guy had to be able to get to that point without a lot of the the, the technical expertise, right? You yes. know the final finer details. Okay, fill in the blank on this next one. It's blank that Notre Dame alum Jack Collinsworth and former Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett will be the broadcast booth for NBC for Notre Dame football this season. Did so, I say NBC? Did I say yeah, on NBC? Yeah. I did. Yeah, it's so yes. disappointing. So disappointing. It, 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 and we kind of had a hint that this was coming. And I am not happy in any way. And I'm <laughs> super happy that I will be in the press box and not have to listen to it. Because, <laughs> you know, during the pandemic, I was watching all the home games from home. And it became more of, you know, I'm, I had to listen to, you know, whatever. And, and right. We were I all home. Know, did a great part. job, and you know all of that, and and it meant more to me because I was watching it from home, right? Home games now, I don't have to worry about it. But what a weak decision! What a weak decision! I, I I'm sorry, I was very disappointed in that. Very disappointed. <laughs> uh, edited said, expect a lot of clapping from an orange-haired goof. I'm, I assume you're talking about that ginger who's going to be in the booth, and again, you're. For those who don't know, you're talking to a Dallas Cowboys fan. So, you know, this is – I'm not going to get too personal with the Jason Garrett stuff. I want to be fair to Collinsworth because 
Now I'm going to say this up front, but then I'm going to, you know, get a, get a little bit more detail. I want to be fair because like he's taken a beating since the report came out, you know, and it would suck to get basically your dream job and then have everybody rip you. So I do empathize with him on that. Right. But that said, he's 27 years old. He has just a handful of play-by-play experience. You know, I heard him and Garrett, they did some games together in the USFL this spring. And that's really the extent of the experience, you know, the football play-by-play experience for both of them. They were okay, but not great. I mean, is that yeah. what you want in right. the NBC Notre Dame football booth? Okay, but not great. Because you're going from Mike Tirico, who did Monday night football before he did Notre yes. Dame football games, yes. to Jack Collinsworth, who's done so little. It's like going from Dan Marino to Jay Fiedler, you yeah. know? No, so, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a shock, I think, for people watching some of this. Because, like, you know, like you go back to Tom Hammond, and there were some things I liked and didn't like about Tom Hammond, but he was a professional. He'd been around for a long time, you know. Right. he It was it was his craft, you know. But, I have a problem with Tom. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people shouting nepotism because of Chris Collinsworth and all that, you know. But, I mean, like, that started when he was still at Notre Dame. I mean, he was getting jobs working for NBC while he was still in college that no other person would have had the chance to get. And he got it because, you know, it was NBC, Notre Dame football, and he had the, you know, right. the, the name, Chris Collinsworth. And, you know, and his brother, of course, played for Notre Dame as well. So, you know, he got this for three reasons in no particular order. His name, mm -hmm. the fact that he went to Notre Dame, you know, that's a feather in the cap of the broadcast program at Notre Dame, you know, that they started, you know, they get one of their graduates in the most high profile Notre Dame sure. broadcast seat there is, you know, it's like when, when NBC gave Jenna Bush a job on the Today Show, like what, 10 or 12 years ago, she was literally intern quality oh. working on the Today Show network TV. Now she's gotten better since then. I yes. will give her that. Anybody but she got to cut her teeth on network TV. Yes. And that's what Jack Collinsworth is getting to do. Like people in this business you start out low and you work your way up. Yes. Jack Collinsworth is getting thrust right in there. You know, again, like the nepotism people, you know, like they compare it to Joe Buck. Well, at least Joe Buck grew up in the Cardinals booth and he started off on local TV. He didn't start off working for Fox. He did, you know, Cardinals broadcasts first. So I don't know, you know, but it's also because the third reason is because NBC does not have a deep booth. You know, like they don't have a lot of people, you know, because again, they had Al Michaels and Tariko. Michaels now is going to the Thursday night stuff. Tariko gets bumped up. They don't have anybody, you know, as, as that number two guy, they're going to have to find somebody now that they're doing, you know, Fox college football when, when they're getting into that, like they could have, they could have probably had Jason Benetti, the White Sox guy, you know, cause yeah. he was, he's been working for ESPN. He's going to go to Fox. I, I think that that's who it should have been because he was doing Benetti's been doing the, you know, like the Peacock, you know, the streaming okay. Major League Baseball on Sunday mornings. So he had an NBC connection. I think that that's who it should have been. They really should have made a push Chicago. for Benetti. That you talk about experience and quality and a he's voice and, and the whole thing. I, I love, I, I love him, and that takes a lot for me to say since he's a White Sox guy. Uh, but I, I think he does a fantastic job. I, I really do, and I think I didn't even think about him being on the radar for Notre Dame football, but I think he would have done a fantastic fantastic job yeah yeah so you know 
maybe it works out okay. But again, like Jack Collinsworth, 27 years old, he's going to get a chance right. know, to cut his teeth doing national broadcasts every week of Notre Dame football, and it's largely because of where he went to school and, and what his name is. Jason Garrett, you know, not a lot of personality. He'll be yeah. okay. I just don't think he'll be great. You know, and again, like when you look at this together, neither one of these guys has much experience. Like right. what you would like, if you're going to bring in a Jason Garrett or, you know, like Drew, just like with Drew Brees last year, a new analyst who has no real experience, you want a veteran guy as the play-by-play -play guy, breaking them in, helping Absolutely. helping them along, showing them what to do. That's not what you have. You have basically two rookies you're throwing yeah. in there. So Because it makes a difference, okay? It makes a huge difference, and I'll – I'll speak to this. You're a veteran, and then you had me doing games with you. I'd have been clueless if you weren't sitting next to me. <laughs> and you learn from the guy that you're sitting next to, and you've got two basically rookies trying to do this together with one of the most high-profile teams in the country. I just don't like it. I, I just, I just don't like it. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, Michael said if you don't like it, there's a mute, mute button. That's true, you're but right. Yeah, I would, right. you know, fortunately, you know, like you said, like Vince and I really don't have to deal with this, you know, because we're going to be at the games, at, but you know, like we will, you know, like record games and watch them back and, and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, back, you know, a couple of months ago, get that Peacock app, fire it up, throw the Golics in there, or, you know, some other yeah. Notre Dame connection, do an alternate broadcast I on that side. Heartbeat. Yeah. In a yeah. heartbeat, absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, I still want to, you know, if I'm actually watching a TV broadcast, I don't want to have to turn the sound down. I just right. want I just want quality announcers in those seats because it's network TV and they should right. be high-quality announcers. It shouldn't be two rookies cutting their teeth in front of us. And that's, you know, to be, to be frank, you know, again – they were okay in those USFL games from what I heard, but they sounded like very inexperienced guys who were cutting their teeth. And that's what you're going to get now on these NBC yep. Notre right. Dame broadcasts. I, I don't know if Notre Dame would have said anything or if they said anything or whatever. Maybe they're happy that they just got a grad in there or whatever. I just feel like they should have stepped back and be like, look, can we get somebody with some experience? There's people that live in this town with more experience that they could have gotten. Okay, yeah. I I can name off four or five people right off the top of my head that would have done a better job, to be honest with you. And it's just it's disappointing to me, but it is what it is. It's over my salty's head. not a Golic fan. I don't understand the Golic hate. You know, again, just like we were talking about earlier, everything is subjective. You know, one person will like another person sure. will not. I guess that's what it's all about. So. Kentucky coaches, have you heard about this? Kentucky coaches John oh, yeah. Calipari, the basketball coach, of course, and football coach Mark Stoops have been lobbing some shots at each other through the media over the last few days. First, Calipari calls Kentucky a basketball school in an interview that he did with The Athletic. He made the comments because he was discussing he's been trying to get a new basketball practice facility for the last few years, and he's pushing for it. And he's like, look, we're a basketball school, you know, that kind of thing. So he says that, first of all. And then in a press conference shortly after, Stoops says that he, quote, stays in his lane, end quote. But he also said Kentucky football, quote, wasn't born on third base, end quote. So 
What do you think about all this? Stoops and Calipari taking their shots at each other. I think it's hilarious, first of all, that it's like infighting amongst the guys that are, you know, it's ridiculous. You're supposed to be on the same team. You're supposed to support each other, but whatever. But here's the thing. John Calipari's right. It is a basketball school. I mean, that that would be like, you know, the the Duke football team being like, we're the best. No, it's a basketball school. I'm sorry. Kentucky is a basketball school. It is what it is. Sometimes you just got to know your role. And that's your role at Kentucky. And I give Stoops a lot of credit. He has done just about as good of a job as he could possibly do at Kentucky. They, They recruit fairly well. They do a good job for being at Kentucky. I give him credit for that. Still a basketball school. It'll still always be a basketball school. They've got the national championships to show for it. And did John Calipari walk in on third base? Yeah, he did. But they still earned it way, way back when, you know, and Stoops is playing catch up and he's never going to catch up to the basketball program. Yeah, I mean, sorry, it, it is a bad look, you know, when you've got a high profile basketball coach. You know, because it's like you never, you, you know, you never saw Mike Bray and Charlie Weiss or Mike Bray and Brian Kelly kind of lobbing back and forth. You know, Mike Bray knows this is a football school, you know, and it's like, you know, that's I, I think that that when you're the coach kind of on, you know, the the lower end of the rung, I guess, so to speak, you know, like if you're a, a football right. coach at a basketball school or a basketball coach at a football school, it's like you kind of take it personally a little bit and and John Calipari is is one of probably the five most high-profile high basketball coaches in the country at one of, you know, the two or three most high-profile basketball programs in the country. Yes, it is a basketball school, but when you're that guy, you obviously shouldn't appear to be taking shots at the guy who Great. is, you know, lower Great. on the pecking order. So I can see why Stoops – I just oh. – I did, I did think yeah. it was a nice little retort by Stoops, you know – well, Kentucky football wasn't born on third base. You know, it's it's kind of like the you know the, the Harbaugh Day stuff. You know, the the born on third base. You know, and all that kind of stuff last year. So I like the response from Mark Stoops, John Calipari. I don't think he probably necessarily meant it in a mean spirited way, but it's like you know, how about you beat St. Joseph before, or not St. Joseph, but uh, St. Peter's. You know, before. You start complaining about you know your 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 practice facility at Kentucky. I mean St. Peter's, Kentucky probably already has a better practice facility than what St. Peter's plays in for for their games. And Kentucky got knocked out of the tournament by yeah. St. Peter's. So what you know? Why don't you just you know go back, focus on your recruiting, figure out where you can get that shoe money, and go out there and get those guys in there. You know. Get something I, he done. shouldn't have said it. There, there, there's no, there's no doubt about that. He should not have said it, but it was true. I mean, I hate to say it, it it's just, it's true, right, right. But like uh, this comment, why did Calipari feel the need to say it in public? Like right, that? yeah. absolutely. That that's not a. That's what it comes down to. It's not a, uh, you know, we're on the same team, kind of a comment, and that's. I think that's the biggest problem. You know what I mean? Salty, you know, going back to the whole Collinsworth thing, it's a good – I like this. Uh, <laughs> Salty said, I would like the Collinsworth father-son broadcast team just like the Styers father-son IB team. And my son Jesse has called a, a game or two with me as well. But yeah. I, 
I think that that would actually be very appealing. You know, now Collins, Chris Collinsworth is obviously doing NFL Sunday night games. And, you know, so maybe that kind of affects things. I think that is very appealing again, because you've got, you know, one, you get it, you know, kind of a little, you know, a little, little shtick with it. You got father, son, but you've also got a father who's been doing this for more than a couple of decades, you know, There's again, like veteran. the experience factor is your veteran, right? I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, I would not, I would not be opposed to that. I, I, I like that idea. We've got some other people commenting about, you know, the, the analysts and, and stuff like that. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys, Kenneth says, but Tony Romo is an excellent analyst. I cannot disagree with you on that, Kenneth. He can read the plays even yeah. before they happen. I have to agree with that. Which is what made him a good quarterback in the first place is because he was able to overcome some of his physical limitations by being smart. I mean, you know, got tripped up on that two-point conversion, all that fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Fill in the blank. The Harry Carey hologram singing take me out to the ball game at the Field of Dreams game last Thursday was blank. This is the first time we've had a chance to talk about this. Uh, it was weird. Um, it was just weird. I don't. Were you watching it live, by the way? Not watch it live. I can't. I was doing something at the time, and it. But it was just. I went back and be, because of this question, I went back and watched it, and they didn't really focus on. They showed them from behind a lot. They showed the fans, but it was still weird when they would show his face. I, I don't know. It just. It didn't look like Harry Carey no. to me. It like, like Harry Carey never combed his hair. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like he did, but it was kind of like that swooped up, you know, old man gray hair. It's like, I'm windblown and I got my Budweiser. That's how Harry Carey looked. And that did not look like Harry Carey. It looked like like Harry Carey's, you know, cleaned up brother, basically, is That's what fair. it looked like. That is, It was a cleaned up version. That is for sure. Look, why can't they, why didn't they just do like they do at Wrigley Field and show a video of when he... Yeah. Sing the song. I, why, yeah, why, we're, we're, it, it's a classic case of what they call the kids like to call. They're doing too much. They did too much with it. Just put the video up from 1989 and let him sing the song, and we're all good. Like that's what they needed to do. I just didn't understand it. It was weird. It was yeah, weird. it was very odd. And again, like when I first saw it, I'm like, so that's supposed to be Harry Carey, you know, like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, there's so yeah. many different directions they could have gone with that. They had the opportunity because it was a primetime game at the Field of Dreams on Fox, all these different things. And that's what they decided to do. Okay. Yeah. I agree. All right. Last question for tonight Olivia Newton John unfortunately passed away sad. last week. Where does the movie Grease rank for you, Vince? I know you're a movie guy. I am. Uh, you know, you've got kids, so this would seem to sort of fit, you know, your kids. You know, I know this movie came out, what, two or three years before you were born, but it is one of the most viewed movies yeah. in the history of it- movies. So where does Grease rank for Vince D'Addario? I dig it. I mean, I have I saw that movie when I was a very young chap, and the music. I mean, it, it's a it's the music is it stays with you. It's good music. Tell uh, me about it, stud. I, yeah, buddy. I, <laughs> I, I picked that up. Um, I think it's hilarious. As I look back on it, I think it's hilarious that those people that were in the movie were like in their thirties 
and they're supposed to be playing high school kids. That's like Travolta was the youngest, and he was like 23. Olivia Newton John was 29 years old. And what's her name? Rizzo, um, Stockard Channing was like 33. You know, and yeah, you had you had like a handful of people, like the whole, you know, like the T Birds, you know, all looked like they were, you know, like your your older uncles or something, you know, like your crazy uncles. It's like that you couldn't have got a couple of people who actually looked age appropriate out of this whole cast, right? But the movie itself was just, you know, like I remember seeing it in the movie theaters, and you know, because like my mom was of that age, or like. You know, she was a young girl in the 50s still, and it was obviously a throwback to the 50s. And I remember going to see it. And, like, when they did Grease Lightning and the race and, yeah. you know, like when they're when they're down there at the L.A. River thing and, you know, you've got the, you know, the car and it's chewing up the side of, of the, the, the T-Bird's car and all that stuff. And and then, you know, like the, the, the final scene as well, you know, you're the one that I want when Olivia comes out. She's got the leather suit on and all that stuff. Hey, it's like, iconic. whoa, where did that come from? That looks a lot different than that poodle dress that she was wearing earlier. I, you know, so. My friend. And I look and I'll also say that when I watched it as a kid, I had no idea the plot line of that movie. That That's a, that's a serious adult plot line in that movie, you know, with the Rizzo thing and the like there was kind of intense as i watched it back as an adult which i had no clue what was going on when i watched mm-hmm. it i was just dancing along to the songs and everything that you just said you know the goofiness the you know all that, uh whatever the hand jive hand oh, jive. can you yeah. hand jive yeah, baby <laughs> i'm telling you so it, it is it, there's a lot of levels there it's my wife's favorite movie that's her favorite movie really i'm yeah and it's i actually bought her the dvd when we were dating like that was, I found out it was her. Favorite. I had a feeling that at least one of the Daddario's, like it would be really high. And DJ yeah. saying Henry Winkler turned down the Travolta role. I'm glad he did because he was in Happy Days at the time, you know, like Happy Days. It just, to me, it would have seemed too odd to have the Fonz yeah, in, in, in Greece. And, you know, it was he like, it's Fonz. He would have been the Fonz in the whole thing. Like that would have been yeah. weird. Yeah. Typecast. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, you know, my wife fell in love with John Travolta oh, after that. I, I don't think that there has, like, been a more iconic Travolta role. You know, like, he yeah. was on top of the world. He was coming out of Welcome Back, Cotter, and he did, um, what was the? Saturday um, Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever, thank you. I, I was I, I couldn't think of the disco movie. But, yeah, Saturday Night Fever, and then that. It's like, you talk about the king of the world at oh. that point, you know. Yep. And uh, just he's still riding that train, too. I mean, good for him. He should. Yep. Yep. A hickey from Kaniki is like a Hallmark card. (laughs) (laughs) Kaniki looked like he was 50. I mean, he looked like he looked (laughs) ancient in that movie. Okay. That's right. Uh, Now we got people talking about the Warriors. So we should probably just end it with the hickey from (laughs) Kaniki. Like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Appreciate you coming on with us today. Had a good time for. Monday, we've got plenty more coming up this week. We're less than three weeks away from kickoff. Notre Dame and Ohio State. It'll be here before we know it. We just got our credentials approved for the big horseshoe. So looking forward to that. Can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be a long weekend, but it's going to be great. It's a good thing we got Monday off. Well, you and I may not have Monday off, but (laughs) that's true. Cool. So we get an extra day to kind of recover. That's right. All right, we've got more coming up this week. We will talk to you tomorrow. IB Nation Sports Talk.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.